Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. When the Lord comes, you know, God comes to us in many ways. He comes to us through the teaching of the Word, through the daily reading, through the just time in His presence. But, but God's ultimately coming back for you and me. And I want it to be good. How many of, has, there, has God ever come to rebuke any of us? We've had that. I've had God come with the correction. Uh, I've had God come with the encouragement, the insightful and the, all that. But one day he's actually coming back. We're going to be with him. We're going to behold him. We're going to be in his presence. What's that day going to be like? Right? For the believer, that's going to be the best day of our life. Are you living for the things of this world? Maybe you've come to realize that this world disappoints and people let you down. Well, as Pastor Bill points out in the message today, God will never let you down. Pastor Bill will challenge you to live your life with the end in mind. When you let go of the things of this world and focus on eternity, your entire perspective changes. The things that used to matter will only fade away someday. Will you allow him to be Lord of your life? Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 12. As he begins his message, don't fight your help. All right, well, as we... Get ready to jump into this. Um, I titled the message, so 2 Corinthians 12, 11 to 21. I titled the message, Don't Fight Your Help. Uh, you'll see as we get into it, what's happening here in 2 Corinthians. But I want to ask you guys this. Uh, some of us are older. Some of us are still kids here. But for us older people, you guys that are kids, how, how many of us have recognized that at points, you know, our, maybe it was our parents or leaders or teachers that the things that they said that we just fought so hard against and how many guys lived long enough to realize that it was all correct? They were right. I remember going to my mother and admitting that later on, you know, that there were things that my mom and I'm telling you, these are my, my, my mom and dad. Not even they weren't even saved, but there were things that just they just knew better. They knew what was best. And there were things that my mom would say, don't do that. You know, things that she would try. And I was I was nah, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I did it. And uh, and everything that I went, not everything, but most things I went against. I live long enough to look back and say, you know, if I had received the help instead of fighting the help, my life would have been better in that area. Now, that's just in some practical life areas. But how much more when it comes to your spiritual life, uh, how, how much more detrimental damaging would it be if we fight against the spiritual help that the Lord is sending people? God is sending messages. God is through his word. Whomever he's using to minister to you spiritual things, for some of you kids, it may be your parents that are holding you accountable, that are challenging you. For some of us, it's, it's a friend. It may be someone in ministry that's how much more damaging for us is it when we become divided against or at odds with those persons, the persons that God has sent to help. And so we want to be aware of that as that's one of the tactics and strategies of the enemy as we and in chapter 12 of Second Corinthians. And I told you guys this when we. When we did the first part of it, the Lord taught me something that I hadn't really seen it that way. It was always my opinion. And I had been taught this from other pastors. And it, and it seemed like a good thing that, you know, as a minister, you never defend yourself. You know, let the Lord defend you. You don't fight. Don't, don't defend yourself. People say something's not true. You just keep on moving or whatever. Sometimes that's OK. But as I'm reading this, Paul is like, no, nah, it, it wouldn't be good for the Corinthians to be left with that bad information. I'm going to correct it. So there are times where it behooves, Paul's not defending himself for his sake. Paul's defending himself for their sake because they need to hear what he's saying. 
And the, the attacks against Paul are direct. They're saying, oh, he's not really an apostle. Oh, he's just taking advantage of you guys. Oh, he's just here for this reason or that reason. And Paul is saying, well, if they believe that and I'm the true apostle, they won't receive what I'm sharing with them. So for their sake, I'm going to make sure I clarify these things. And so he said, you know, excuse my folly, excuse my foolishness as I boast a little bit. And we talked about that earlier. So we pick up there in chapter 12, uh, verse 11, says this. Paul says, I have become a fool in boasting. You have compelled me, for I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. And so he says, look, you know, you guys, I shouldn't have had to boast and tell you guys all of what I did. You guys should have commended me. But I, I, because of what you guys have done, you, you guys compelled me. I have to boast. And I thought about this, and I just want to give it to you. You can write down in your notes. One of the, you know, one of the things Satan does do is divide up people from the Lord. That's what he does. It's his, he's a, that's the work of the enemy. And so I had heard this years ago and I found it true. Three times in the scripture where Satan specifically speaks. We know he, he's worked, you know, we have many things where you can see the work of Satan. But three times where he opened up his wicked satanic mouth and spoke. And all three times he was dividing people, right? The first time Satan speaks is in Genesis chapter 3 to Eve. And he says, did God really say that you, you can't eat that tree. God knows in the day you eat it, you'll be just like him. God's lying to you. God's keeping something good from you. Seeking to divide this woman from, from the Lord. And, and he succeeded in that one. The, the next time you see him speak is in Job. And he, Satan spoke to God in heaven and said, I'm going to get Job to curse you to your face. And he went to work on earth, unleashing, you know, the, the, you know one of the worst trials of scripture on this man's life. In order to get him to the point where instead of loving the Lord, he would say, God, I hate you. That's what Satan wanted to do. And that's why I always warn you guys, when things get bad, don't get mad at God. That's what Satan wants. Job fell down. And what did he do? He worshiped. That was the biggest in your face. I know that God was in heaven so proud looking down. like, look at him. Look at what he's doing. He worshiping me right now. That, that is when you go through it. I just that's just this is extra. That is the best time to go ahead and worship God for who he is. I'm not worshiping you for what's happening to me, but I'm worshiping you for who you are, no matter what. That, that speaks value that he fell down. But anyway, Satan's agenda was, I want to get him to curse you to your face. He failed because Job was an upright, stand-up guy. The third time he speaks is in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. He goes to Jesus himself and tries to derail Jesus from his, you know, his purpose. And Satan came to him and said, hey... If you're the son of God, you know, turn these stones into bread after Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Each time Jesus responded with the word of God, you know, it's written, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, then he offers them, hey, takes them up to the pinnacle of the temple. Say, look, if you if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give it to you now. Right? you don't have to go to the cross. I'll give you a shortcut because he is the prince and power of the air. Every time he spoke, what's he trying to do? Trying to get Jesus to take a shortcut. If Jesus were to bow down and worship Satan, you and me would be going to hell. There'd be no hope for you and me, right? Uh, you know, Jesus said, nope, you know, we worship the Lord your God, him only shall you serve. You know, he, in each case, Jesus would respond with the word. But the point is, when Satan's speaking, he's seeking to divide us. And I would challenge every child here that's battling with your parents and your parents are telling you, stop this. And you're like, I don't agree with you. You're just old fashioned. Be, 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 I, and I'm, I'm saying this for real, you know, take, take a pause and consider if they're looking out for your soul. And sometimes Satan's biggest win is if I can get the who's for a child more than anybody else? The parents. Who who could be more invested? Who cares more? 
Your little friends don't care more. I guarantee you. They don't know more. They don't care more. Y'all wouldn't even be friends in five years, you know? So, but that's, that's one of the works of the enemy. I, I want to get you mad at the people that care the most so that I can have you separated and do my work in your life. We grow up and it come, when it comes to spiritual things, God, I'm sorry, Satan will do, he will attempt to do the same thing to those that are ministering spiritual things. And so I've been in ministry for years. Um, I've been in another church with, you know, 14 pastors on staff. And over all those years, you look and find at times those that are ministering to people, many times the, the attacks are to them. You know, I, I look at my pastor and I've seen, I mean, the, the attacks upon his life have been horrendous. I mean, my, I, I look at that and I think that's, it's, it's a lot. It's enough to make you quit if you weren't called. Um, the, the attacks on his family, personal attacks. And, and all he's doing is getting up and ministering to people week by week. And I just think, wow, you know, and some of the time the, the goal of the attack is now I got these group of people that are now they, 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 they're, they're mad at him. And some people end up just out. They end up nowhere. They end up just out of fellowship, away from the Lord. And so we want to be very careful that Satan's not doing that in our heart, in our life, and that we don't participate, you know. And we're going to learn, too, as you're if you're here, you minister to people. Maybe you're discipling people. Maybe you're evangelizing people. Maybe you are parenting, you are pouring into kids. If you're doing any kind of ministry, sometimes you're going to have to say tough things. And so you have to just put on your big boy, your big girl pants and know that it won't always be popular. When you tell somebody that, that what they don't want to hear, when you tell somebody that, look, it's not God's will for you to do something that they want to do. Some people respond to that well. They say, you know what? Thank you for sharing that with me. You pray for me. I need help in that area. I need to be strengthened. Would you would you keep me accountable? So other people say, you get out of my business. You ain't, you know, so you, you get two different responses. You got to be ready for that. You got to be okay with whatever the outfall might be. And anybody here that's ever ministered that way, you've had some of that. You've had some kickback. Don't quit. Don't fall back when they kick back. You got to stay on your ground. So, all right, that's, that's the foundation. So Paul is, you're going to see he's a little bit sarcastic. He's a lot sarcastic, as a matter of fact, you know, which makes me feel better about my life. And uh, he uses a little sarcasm and, he, he, you know, but he's, he's expressing to them like, you know, he loves them. And the fact that he's bothering to write this letter says so. And he's trying to set these things straight. So now in verse 11, he said, look, I've become a fool and boast and I shouldn't have had to do this. But you guys compelled me. You guys should have been the ones to commend me. He says, for nothing was I behind the most eminent apostles, though I'm nothing. Paul says, look, when it comes to apostles, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I haven't come behind anybody. The things that God has done through Paul's life, Paul says, I'm not behind even the most eminent. And, he, and, 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 and I guess for humility's sake, he says, though I'm nothing. I know I'm nothing. I know it's just the Lord. Verse 12, he says, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it in which you were inferior to other churches, except that I myself was not burdensome to you? Forgive me for this wrong. And that's sarcasm. So this is what Paul said. Paul said that when I came, the only difference between Paul and the their false apostles that have gone in to accuse Paul. That's that's who brought the division, these fake apostles. And they this is the accusation against Paul that he's not a real apostle because he wasn't you know, he wasn't taking the offerings that they were taking. Paul will go to Corinth and say they were in such poor condition. There were so many in Corinth that still were not saved. They, Paul says, I'm not even going to take anything from you guys. 
You guys, this is not I, right now. I, I don't want there to be any room for accusation. So they accuse Paul for that. You know, it, it, he must not be. You get what you pay for. You know, he must not be a, the real deal. You know, he comes in here. These guys come just for the money. Paul says, look, now all the signs of an apostle, signs and wonders and mighty deeds, they've been there. And I haven't taken money. And so you would look at it and think, wow, these other apostles, they haven't done signs. And God hasn't done through them signs and wonders and mighty deeds in the midst. But they have collected from the people. And so Paul says, look, I, I, you know, you, you, you think that they could look with their plain eyes and say, wow, God's hand is on that man. I mean, he comes to town and I mean, God did miraculous things. You go read through Acts and read through some of the messages. Paul coming to town, people were getting healed. There was salvation. There were churches planted. There was the real genuine work of the spirit was happening through the life of Paul. People that weren't saved got saved. People that were demon possessed were unpossessed. People that were not committed to God became committed to God, you know, but it came at a cost. You know, some areas Paul would go in to do the ministry and, you know, you you you, you go into a town where everybody worships this little, you know, one area they worship the little God, Diana, and everybody gets saved and they stop buying the little idols from the people that made the idols. Guess who's ticked off? The idol makers are like, we hate them. They run Paul up out of the city. But, you know, it was a genuine work of God. And, and, and it's always it's always something that you can kind of mark the work of God. When God's doing a work, you're going to see change lives. You know, you like, I wonder if God's working in a place. Just go and be around. You know, I've had friends plant at churches. And when I go, I, I just like to hang out and I like to talk to the people and find out, hey, how long have you been here? What were you, you know, were you saved before you weren't saved? So you just got saved in the last year. Wow, awesome. You know, you, oh, you got back, came back to the Lord. And you've been coming here and getting fed and being ministered. And I just, you walk around the fruit and just say, and I, I, I look at that as evidence that God's doing the work. Look, there are people that are better with God because this thing is here. There are people that are in the word, they're encouraging the Lord, they're, they're doing better with God because this thing is here. And so we can consider that with our own lives, right? When God plants you somewhere, God puts you in a group of friends, God puts you on a team, God puts you in a classroom, God puts you in a work environment. Is it better because you're there? Is God doing a work through you when you're there? Because you ain't got to be an apostle for God to do a work. All you got to be is a ready, available person. You know, let the Lord by his spirit work through you. Every single one of us has the Lord in us, if we're saved. If we're born again, the, the living God is inside of us. And so wherever we go, God's like, if you just go and be available, I'll do a work. That place will be different because you're there. I'll make a difference. He'll make a difference through you. And so, so Paul says, look, I, you know, he said he's being sarcastic when he said, look, forgive me for this wrong of not taking money for y'all. Forgive me. I said, I just came and took your money. Then y'all be okay then, you know. We know from other letters that it's not wrong for Paul to receive from a church. He's supposed to. The Bible says the worker is worthy of his hire. But Paul said, you guys are in such bad shape. The Corinthian church, we'll see as we come to the end, he said, some of you guys have not even repented yet. So many of you guys are not even saved that I don't want anything from you. I still want you. And that's we're going to talk about that in a, a few verses down. God's before God wants anything from you, before he's worried about your serving, you giving anything. God's like, I, I want you. That's always first. The first thing is not what God, what, what you can give him. He does not. When people come through the door, just not the first thing isn't what can they give to the Lord? It's, it's, do, the, does, does the Lord have you yet? That's what he wants first. And we should all be careful of that. That's always more important. You know, that God said, first, I want you. That's what I came for. Jesus came and died, not so we can give him stuff, but that he can have us. And if he doesn't have us, you can keep your gifts. You can keep your money. You can keep all that. God said, no, my, my agenda right now is to have you. I want to have you. And so we want to be careful that, you know, we, we see Christ portrayed in that way. Look at verse 14 now. It says, now 
For the third time, I am ready to come to you and I will not be burdensome to you. This is what he says. For I do not seek yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And so Paul, on his first visit to Corinth, he had established and started the church. You can find that in Acts chapter 18, down around verse 11. He spent six months there uh, ministering to them. His second visit was a short visit, but it was a it was a it was in between the writing of first and second Corinthians. And so that was a difficult visit. Paul was there correcting for you guys that went through first Corinthians with us. That whole letter was a pretty heavy duty rebuke and correction. They were they were doing everything wrong in first Corinthians. They were. They were wrong with giving. They were wrong. They did communion wrong. They were getting drunk at the communion table. They were, you know, they were they were using the spiritual gifts, but they were using them in a the wrong and unbiblical way. Paul, the whole letter of 1 Corinthians, Paul was setting things straight. They had sexual sin that was worse than what the world was doing. And they were they were proud that they were accepting of it, you know. And Paul said the whole letter to correct them. So that was a difficult time. Here's the third time that Paul reaches out. He's preparing to come for a third time. This is what Paul says at the end. I'm going to come a third time. I want it to be good. Can we have a good visit? Can I come and everything be cool this time? Anybody ever have you got family or someone you go and it's like, can we, can we just, can we, Rodney King, can we just get along? I just, want to, I just want to have a good visit. I don't want to fight no more. I just want to come love you and you love me. Paul, that's what he's saying. He said, look, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing to come a third time. The first time we were getting started and I saw what a mess it was and and it's kind of okay in the beginning. You expect that. He says, the second time, y'all were a hot mess, and I had to write a whole letter of correction to you guys. Now I'm getting ready to come again. I would love for things to be nice when I come back. And I got to, you know, liken this to us, right? Paul's not coming back for you and me. Who's coming back for you and me? The Lord. So we need to be mindful of that. When the Lord comes, you know, God comes to us in many ways. Comes to us through the teaching of the word, through the daily reading, through the just time in his presence. But, but God's ultimately coming back for you and me. And I want it to be good. How many of, has, there, has God ever come to rebuke any of us? We've had that. I've had God come with the correction. Uh, I've had God come with the encouragement, the insightful and the, all that. But one day he's actually coming back. We're going to be with him. We're going to behold him. We're going to be in his presence. What's that day going to be like? Right. For the believer, that's going to be the best day of our life. Rather, it's through rapture or through death, the day that we see him, that we behold him. That's going to be an amazing day for the believer, for the child of God. At that day, like every, everything will just be in its proper place. Sins forgiven, relationship restored. You know, I, I finally be holy. I'll be in his presence. When we see him, we'll be like him. You know, all these. I mean, God's like that day is coming for us. But what about the person that just kind of meanders through and is ill prepared? Not They're not ready. You know, I, I think a lot of people feel like God is going to tell everybody, well done, good and faithful servant. He's not a liar. If you're not a good or faithful servant, he ain't going to say that to you. You know, some of the people are going to hear at the gates of heaven by the skin of your teeth, you know, like just just barely. No, I'm just kidding. So we know that that won't be the case. You know, he can't say that to everybody, but we want to be living in such a way. I would love to hear that. I would love for heaven to speak and say, man, well done, good and faithful servant. And, and I, I say that because I want you to I want to mark your head, right? Mark your minds. That's the high mark in heaven that you are good and faithful servant servant. That's a, in heaven's and God's prerogative and God's priorities. You know what's a big deal? Servants. You know, in the world's mindset, what's the lowest thing you could be? Servant. That's the world. That's why we can't take our cues from the world. That's why we can't take our mentality from the world. That's why we can't bring the world's mentality into the church where, you know, those that are higher up in the church 
you know, are like the king or the president or the CEO, and they just go, you go, you go, you come, you stop, you sit. No, the Bible says those that will be great in the kingdom of God will be what? The servant of all. You'll be serving the most. Jesus came. Nobody ever walked the planet Earth was greater than Jesus. That's God the Son, the second person in the Trinity. When he came, he bent down, and he took a towel, and he took the, that's the lowest servant's position that day. They walked on dirt roads, and they had dirty, stank feet, I guarantee you. And, and he washed their feet. That's what he did. And he said, do you know what I'm doing to you? And he asked them that. Do you guys understand what I'm doing to you? And I'm giving you a model to follow. You do as I've done to you. You serve one another. Humbly serve one another. That's the high mark in heaven. So we should, you know, gather that. Man, am I a humble servant? Do I got a problem with, you know, being a servant? You know, when I, when I worked at the church I was at before, we would do devotions with the servants. And this is like the maintenance staff and some of the, the guys that are really doing the dirty work, you know. And we would have devos. And, and one of the common things that guys would say, there's, I mean, everybody want to be a servant to somebody treat you like one. And, uh, you know, you, you treat me like I'm some kind of slave. Whoa. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, when it, when it was like hustle time, you know, and things just have to get done. There's no time to be, you know, caressing your feelings, you know, whatever. So it'd be somebody in charge that know that 20 jobs got to do. Hey, hey, I need you to go do that. And you got to take care of that. Bam, 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 bam. And you have some guys with little feelings. I mean, barking orders at me. I'm like, bro, like, and that's what we would have to tell you. Hey, look, everybody, everybody want to be a good and faithful servant to somebody speak to you or treat you like one. That's when it really counts. You know, right now, that that's when our hearts are revealed. Am I a servant? I hope everybody here, as we take this in, evaluate our lives, evaluate um, our hearts before the Lord, and are we servants of the Lord? Could that be attributed to us? In heaven, it's a big deal to be called a servant of the Lord. Amen? And so, again, in verse 14, Paul says, For I do not seek yours, but you. And um, I told you earlier that, that that's Paul saying, look, I'm not looking for your stuff. I don't want your stuff, but I want you guys. I want the relationship with you guys. That's the goal. And one of the marks of the false teachers, the false prophets and so forth is that they make merchandise of God's people. If you're writing notes, I want you to write down 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I want to read it to you real quick. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Peter speaking here says... There were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. How will you know who they are? Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, heresies are false teachings, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. Verse two, and many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth has been will be blasphemed by covetousness. They will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time, their, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. But you pay attention to that verse in verse three where it says, by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. Another translation says they will make merchandise of the people. And so one of the marks, if you go in somewhere and, 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 and you know, one of the marks of a false teacher, a false, you know, a, 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 you know, some a heretic, a false prophet, false minister or whatever is that they're, you, you just you look like dollar signs and you come in and they start making merchandise of you. They're not worried about your soul. They're not worried about where you're going when you die. They ain't worried about where you're going when they leave. They're worried about what you leave before you go. That's that's a that should mark to us. A false, probably a false teacher. 
Because a real minister is going to be concerned with my soul. He haven't asked me if I'm saved. He haven't had a conversation. They haven't, they haven't investigated where I'm at with the Lord, but they want something from me. Be, be, be weary of that, right? Because God's saying, look, I don't even want your stuff before I have you. That's, that's a later discussion. I first want a relationship with you. I first want, my, my number one concern is your salvation. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through the book of 2 Corinthians. This letter was written by Paul to the Corinthians sometime after he had lived in Corinth. He had an intimate knowledge of the church there. So Paul felt led to write another letter to these people, expressing some personal things that he learned on his journey and in his ministry. It would seem that some in the Corinthian church criticized Paul's leadership, and so he found it necessary to defend himself to this church. Communicating this type of message is something that's beneficial at times when you feel misunderstood or misrepresented. Any one of us can face those situations at times too, and so discussing it with the other party is useful. We're so glad you tuned into A Transforming Word, and we'd love to meet you. If you're in the Inglewood area, come join us this weekend for church. We meet at Calvary Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday, and you can get more information on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. You can always call or text us, too, for more information, 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. That's all we have time for today. Join us next time for another edition of A Transforming Word.